Hey guys, it's Blake, and you're listening to a special bonus episode of Blonde Hair, Blackheart. I know you guys usually hear from me on Mondays, because... I don't know, I'm like the fucking Grim Reaper. I show up at the worst possible time. Uh, but I, I just, I, I really couldn't sit on this episode. I just finished my conversation with Anna Lynn McCord, who I'm sure you all know from 90210. But I just had such a great conversation with her. Um, she is so funny. She's so smart. She's so insightful. Like, we had so many laughs, but there were also so many times where I had full body chills. I'm not kidding you guys. So I decided I need to give you guys this episode right away. Um, you know, TGIF and all. Uh, I do quickly want to say that I fucking hate Zoom. I don't know what it is. It's happened a couple times now where when I interview someone over Zoom, um, I set everything up. I get my like good microphone set up and I test all of the audio. And then it's like, as soon as I hit record, it changes all of the settings to, like, I, I don't even fucking know what, but it sounds like I'm calling in from, like, underwater. Like, I'm literally phoning in from the lost city of Atlantis. And, I mean, fortunately, Annalyn sounds great. I mean, But it's like, it's so weird. I think she was just using her, her computer microphone. Like, nothing set up or anything. No external mic. And she sounds crisp and clear and beautiful. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'd rather my guest sound good. No, that's a fucking lie. I want to sound good. <laughs> okay, anyways, guys, with without any further ado, my conversation with Anna Lynn McCord. Okay, guys, I am so excited for today's guest. She's a model, actress, podcast host, and activist. I'm talking to Annalyn McCord. Hi, Annalyn. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, love. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's so good to finally meet you. Um, you actually know my husband, and so we've kind of, you know, known of each other uh, peripherally. But to, to get to meet you face-to-face -face and talk to you is such a treat. So thank you so much. Yes, I'm excited and I adore your husband. <laughs> yeah, he's okay. <laughs> he's all right. He's yeah. a keeper. <laughs> well, he actually, before you guys even met, I don't know if you know or if he ever told you, but he was like a really big fan of yours and of 90210. So, you know, it, he it, did it, not tell me that. I mean, wow. he kind of loosely was like, I watched the show. Yeah, spoiler <laughs> alert, he was obsessed. Um, oh my gosh, I'm even more obsessed with him now. <laughs> okay, good, good. Um, so, I definitely want to talk about 90210. I mean, your first major role was actually Eden Lord on Nip Tuck, and I love Nip Tuck, but your role as Naomi Clark on 90210 was really what solidified you as like a bona fide star. So I want to talk about your career, how you got started in acting, and the path you took that led you to that life-changing role. Okay, well, it's it's a very interesting twists and turns, wild ride. I love um, a roller coaster. <laughs> it's a roller coaster, honey. I yeah, I grew up in American poverty. I grew up in a trailer park in a tiny town in Georgia, and everyone was like, "You can't be an actress," you know. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> and I was like, middle fingers to the sky, like, "Yes, I can." Yeah. And yes, I did. Yes. Um, <laughs> but um. But I, I was such a dreamer, you know, as a kid. And I think that um, I think that I 
I am still that kid and I'm still that dreamer. So thankfully it's, it's worked out work-wise for me and, and in other capacities in my life as well. But, but as a kid, I, I was like, you know, I didn't have any money. So I, and it was the nineties. So I was like, well, go to the library and go to the Dewey <laughs> decimal system and like, look up acting books. And yeah. I read every book. I remember one librarian one day I was, I had a stack of books, like all the way down to, you know, my, the, like my legs to my chin, you know, it was like <laughs> as, as much as I could carry. Right. And she said, if you don't know enough about acting by the end of all of those books, we can't help you here at the library, honey. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> and I'll, I'll never forget. I know because I was like, oh, okay, um, I've got everything. And then every book says you cannot learn acting in a book. And I'm like, right. whatever. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's there's so much information you can absorb, but it definitely is a thing that you've got to go out and do and feel and experience for sure. Yes. You can read about swimming, but you have to actually jump in the pool. Exactly. Know? Exactly. So I did, I jumped in the pool and, um, and it was a crazy pool. It was a little bit of a cesspool at times. <laughs> what a great way to describe it. <laughs> I was like, what have I gotten myself into? Yeah. When I did manage to break in and Nip Tuck was so instrumental in that because it, it was very industry watched. Obviously, I I am very grateful for being a part of such an acclaimed, legendary show yeah. working with Ryan uh, Ryan Murphy and and ahead of its time too. I mean, there was nothing time, on and, TV like that that was just yeah. so in your face with with all of it <laughs> with everything. We yeah. I mean, you would you knew it was it was new script day at Paramount with uh, with uh, Nip Tuck when when you would just look up and, and literally people would be walking around the stages like oh, turning the pages of the next, you know, like what yeah. can he possibly write this episode? Totally. And now Ryan Murphy is such a staple on television and we're so used to the the shock value of it all but back then i mean groundbreaking television really groundbreaking television and and you know it, it's so interesting how foreshadowing works right the his uh his stories his narrative they're so unique he is such a staple in hollywood and and in streaming and television but we never really ask why people get to that place and there, where, why was he ahead of his time? Why is he, why are his narratives so crazy, terrifying, exciting, amazing, profound? There's a lot there. And, and that would foreshadow my work doing mental health advocacy, because you don't get to that level of narrative and human understanding, the understanding of the human dynamic, if you haven't been through something. I always was like, I wonder what Ryan Murphy's parents were like, you know, oh, like, what yeah. was what was growing up for him like? Because this boy, it, he had he created a world within worlds inside his mind, and he never stopped. And 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 that doesn't come from joy and happiness; it comes from pain. So yeah. uh, he's someone who clearly has experienced so much that the world has to offer in the not so not so wonderful ways, uh, as well as what has what he's able to ha has been able to turn that into. Yeah. And I'm so grateful to have gotten my start with him. And, and, and then kind of, as you said, have a solidified uh, career with 90210. I wasn't so excited or appreciative of that. Um, I was actually a total asshole. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to do the show. 
Oh, tell me about that. That's so interesting to me I because said no to the, I said I, no to the show. Wow, because I did have a question here of of you know what it was like kind of stepping into uh, a world that was already created. You know, the nine hundred two one zero world was was. I mean, the original show was such a phenomenon. So I assume that there was some pressures coming into that reboot. So yeah, you didn't want to do it at all. I didn't want to do the show. I had never seen the original because I was only allowed to watch Little House on the Prairie. I, oh, like, gosh. My is so conservative and horrific. I mean, I, I, I mean, it was like I was not, yeah, I had no concept of, of what I was stepping into. I actually didn't want to be an actress anymore. I was having an ex- existential crisis. Wow. And it landed at the moment where I was being offered my big break. And my agents are like, oh, God, is she gonna go and be a crazy actress right now while she's right. finally getting her big break is like what is this happening it's too soon <laughs> save that it was happening i was like i'm out i don't want to be in this town anymore i'm gonna find yeah. a new passion <laughs> so i i was gonna move back to new york and leave la and I told my agents, I'm going to work at Starbucks. I'm not like, I'm not blowing you off for anything serious. I'm going to work at Starbucks and find a new passion. Right. They're like, well, do we get 10% of those tips at least? Yeah, they're like, <laughs> they're like you will not leave right? this town up. <laughs> no, um, they're so, and my agent's so amazing. I mean, she, she just kind of flowed with me. She's like, oh God, okay, kid, whatever. And, and I think it was her, her willingness to dance with what she knew was a, a very, uh, a very purpose-driven decision without the twenty-something-year oh, I was just twenty. The twenty-year-old me knowing what and why I was having this feeling. She was older and wiser, and she actually our relationship uh, really deepened because of my passion. And and she said even recently at a lunch that we had she said, you know, you're, you're the type of talent I like to work for because I feel like I'm doing something meaningful in the world by elevating you. And, and she got me from day one and, and she held space in that moment when I was having an existential crisis and was like, no, 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 which anyone would be like, what is wrong with you? 20 year old moron. Do it. Do it. And my, I called my act, my first acting partner in New York, who was an incredible and is an incredible humanitarian activist and advocate for so many different things, but specifically anti-human trafficking. And I called her telling her, I'm moving back to New York. I'm done with acting. I don't want to do this anymore. I have a, you know, whatever. I have new plans for my life. And she's right. like, you are not doing that. You are going to be an actress, young lady. Um, and she and I went to Cambodia together and met survivors of human trafficking. And she had been before and it was to go with her was an, an incredible initiation into what would then become my life's passion, fighting human trafficking. And I came back and and my life was very different. I said yes to the show because I now understood the power of being an actress yeah. um, and having a platform that's bigger than me for causes that are bigger than me. And yeah. And I think that that was what I was lacking. I, from nine years old, I knew what I wanted in that library, reading all those books, but I never knew why. And the why became this bigger purpose in the world. And so that, you know, allowed me to then do 90210 and it it become that solidifying aspect of of what would be my early success in the terms of success in the world. Um, I was going through some pretty difficult mental health 
struggles at that time and very dark and smiling on the red carpet because that's what you do because you're like this is so perfect yeah you know it was the og of the instagram filter vibe it was you know it's your how could you how could you complain you have what people want like you, you have to be you have to look happy and that was really keeping me in a darker and darker space so um the 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 love that i have for being an actress in the sense of everything I do between action and cut was getting dimmed in the light of what I was dealing with on the inside. And so Mm -hmm. that was an interesting period to kind of do that dance. And then, you know, I would go on to play many villains and many characters that were very dark. And then acting became a cathartic process, really, in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I'm I'm an, an actor. Um, I went to school for acting. I no longer do it professionally. But once you're an actor, you're an, always an actor. Like, you're always a thespian. Matt, Matt and I got in an argument last week and he was like, I just feel like I'm always in the Blake show. And I was like, yeah, bitch, you got a front row seat. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I, Tell him when I come to Miraval, it's going to be the Annalyn show. Right. I love it. I love it. You and I can co-star. Um, but, but I mean, it's something where you really do have to tap into every emotion inside of you. And that can be really daunting. I mean, artists, we are emotional people. I like, I, I cry every single day, um, good, bad, or otherwise, you know? Um, yes. And and sometimes you do have to tap into places that, that maybe don't resonate with how you're feeling right this second. And that can be really confusing as, as, as a human or as an actor trying to like, uh, reconcile these these varied emotions inside you and yeah. present them in a way that feels fully authentic. So yeah. I I have to imagine that would be really difficult to be even not in a in a role, but just walking the red carpet and playing the role of Anna Lynn McCord. You know, right? Yeah, because I I really didn't know who I was. I mean, who does it twenty? But right. I don't. I'm thirty three and I'm trying to figure it out. Fucking honey, <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> Yeah, so I want to I want to talk to you. You mentioned that, you know, you grew up in poverty. You didn't have this like support of of oh yeah, you can be an actress, go for your dreams. Um and I I think it's interesting. Do you find that that almost pushed you even more like not having all of that support because for me personally, like I had everyone in my corner telling me you're going to be a huge star, like you're the best, you're the greatest and I think at a certain point I started thinking that of myself and then I just, I wasn't committed to the work anymore. And I, like, I remember in college when I was going to college for theater and I was so, I like, I became so unprofessional. I like didn't care about it anymore because I just thought I was so good. And everyone always told me I was going to get it. And that obviously didn't serve me well. So do you think that having people tell you like, no, you're not going to have this, did that push you even harder? Well, if you'd asked me this question a couple years ago, I would have said absolutely. I'm a little bit more on the fence now. Okay. And here's why. I absolutely, my personality definitely used negative opposition as a fuel to, to push me in the direction of what I was going to do. But I now know that I was going to always do this. Right. And you were going to always shift and, and move in a different direction. And, and whatever the listeners are doing in their lives right now, you were always going to be in this space because you are, right? right? So what I would say to that now is that 
that definitely triggered my ego. And, and as a result, my ego then propelled herself into an industry that she would later realize she was very unhappy in. So, so yes, in a way, the fuel got me to where I was for me to realize how alone in the whole world I was. And so if we're going to look at what it have been more ideal, what would have been more in a more ideal situation, having love and support would have been fantastic because you still have all those people who love and support you in your life and you don't have acting because what matters is the support and the love. And what I realized was I was very alone. And, and I think that sometimes what we see as this machine that gets us to this level of something externalized in the world, that, that is a career for which I'm deeply grateful. It's not always what it cracked up to be, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so it's, it's a, it's a yes. And yes, that was what it was. Yes. That was important for the time. Do I, do I respond to negative opposition in that regard now? No, I, I respond with sending you the meta meditation, which is a Buddhist practice of sending you love and light and then removing you from my life because I do not want your negativity and your vibration in my field. And, and so, so whereas it, it can be perceived in the world that that could drive you to success. How do you define a success is a better question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if even if you find, you know, the peak of monetary success or uh, professional success as the world sees it, if you don't have like people around you that love and support you, how successful? If you don't have a Matthew, you know, know, right? I'm the most successful person ever. (laughs) You have the most gorgeous love, you know, I I think that that why I wanted to be an actress was because I like to play. Yeah. I like to play and I wasn't being allowed to play. I was, I was being forced to go to set at 4 a.m. in the morning and work for 18, 19 hours and be treated like I didn't have a brain inside my head. And, and that was not playful at all. That wasn't fun. That was, you know, and, and I'm grateful for who I became as a result. But that's because I went back to honoring play and, yeah. and I only do things that I want to do now that involve playing totally. <laughs> and work. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think people realize how at its core, how fun acting can and should be. And it really should be about play and experimenting and and. I mean, my favorite thing in the world is like, I, I'm a big sitcom guy, just something light and easy with a laugh track. It's like, oh, it, you yeah. know, gets me warm and fuzzy. And I love bloopers and just being able to see actors on set, like really riff and go back and forth with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have to imagine that if I were in a position acting wise, where I wasn't able to do that, it wouldn't fulfill me either, because then it would feel more like you're just kind of a, a puppet or a prop, you know? Um, and it's interesting, you you know, you talk about your work in um, anti-human trafficking and I, I wanna get into all of your activism later on, but really quickly, and, and I don't, I, I'm not saying this at all and I hope this doesn't sort of take away from, from real human trafficking, but in, in a very small sense, a lot of performers and actors have kind of been trafficked you know I mean I just I just watched Blonde the Marilyn Monroe movie on Netflix and like I would argue that she was trafficked you know like through the industry from job to job you know yeah I mean Marilyn was quoted saying uh in Hollywood you can sell your 
your body for $50,000 and your soul for 50 cents. It's so true. And there's so much to unpack in that statement of what her lived experience was. And I don't think that you detract from from the idea of modern day slavery, because that's even more so what we're talking about. It's this kind of the 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 commodity, the human being being a commodity versus being a human and and that was my experience it was this we were in a machine they wanted to they had dollar signs they wanted to to film you know nine days worth of an episode in seven and they wanted to to work everybody our crew especially to the bone i mean as actors we obviously have scenes off our crew is there from sun up to sundown every single day they're never seeing their families are falling into bed if they can well and And it's far different too if like the star of the show says I'm not working today, like I'm done. They're not going to replace Naomi Clark on 90210, but they might replace, you know, the boom operator. And right. and and that's unfortunate that there's not that same sense of job security. Yeah, there's not that same sense of job security. And they're worked so much harder. They're made paid so much less. And and it, it, that there was a lot of, I think, injustice that energetically that I was experiencing. And I had never dealt with the injustice is done against myself. So I am like the queen of an underdog. And I was like, whenever I see someone, I'm like going to bat for everybody because I also needed to go to bat for myself unknowingly. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I, and in, in every industry you find this because we, we didn't come to earth to be workaholics. We right. can't, we, we, if you look at big cities, I'm moving. I'm, I've actually decided to leave Los Angeles. And oh, it's wow. been 17 years that I've been here and I'm leaving because I need nature. I need trees and I need, I'm grateful I have the ocean. I'm going to have the ocean where I'm going, but I, I need nature. I need to see a fox and a turkey and a, and a deer and right. squirrels. We, we put all these buildings on top of buildings and stack everybody in. And then we're like, okay, get in the grind, sit in the, sit in traffic, go to the place, work all the th- hours away. And then the most, the biggest portion of your, the expansion of your life where you're expanding in the center point of your life is spent just grinding. And there's this like toxic hustle culture yeah. and I'll sleep when I'm dead and like all this crazy stuff. And it's like, wait a second. Like, if you really just like pull it back, what why are we doing any of this the hunter gatherers were on to something you know it's like let's all play we'll go out and get the food we need for the day and then we hang out together yeah and and, and what does that look like for you all of these different industries that we've created that's that's beautiful the creation aspect is beautiful it's when we then try to like make it a machine and force them out capitalism and all this we see the world that we're in today where it's all about kill it kill it kill the game kill this everything's violent and undertones that's such an interesting point i've never thought of that before but it's so interesting that we have uh like turned kill it into something synonymous with like success why that's a really weird like connection that we've made it's strange right it's like and the the most successful i will tell you the the only people who are truly successful in life 
are two-year-olds. <laughs> two-year-olds know what is up. They, I've got a two-year-old nephew and he knows what's up, okay? This, this little man knows how to play. Yeah. He knows how to play. He knows how to love. He knows when to say no, that he, his mm -hmm. independence is being threatened. Yeah, kids are, kids are good with boundaries. Kids are really he good with boundaries. He has boundaries, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I look at him and he's my guru. He's my teacher. He he is free. And, and unfortunately, this domestication of human beings starts the process of, of not being that free two-year-old self anymore. And that two-year-old not going anywhere. It's inside us. Oh, right. I found my two-year-old Anna and she is yeah. free to play now. <laughs> but but I I think that's what was so important about my dream to be an actress. I would I would go watch these people on the screen and they were bigger than life. They were, you know, they made me laugh. They made me cry. They made me feel something. I felt this freeing sense of these, these already conditioned, already trapped, suppressed, oppressed energies within me because of the experience I grew up in and the, the narrative of the societal and cultural world I was being conformed to, or they were trying to conform me to, it didn't work out very well for them. <laughs> but, but I, there was a freedom in stories where where someone would a hero would would be so rigid and then he would just change every he would break free and break the rules and it was like so rewarding yeah and and i think that you know as i reflect on my life and and i i work as an actress now and i always will i i know that it's a part of me that i love and will always love but i really see myself in the more creative position and i've been writing and doing a lot of things like that um just to kind of shift that trajectory at some point because the i want to i want to be a part of i want to embody i want to share and i want to tell stories that allow someone to disappear within them for 90 to minutes to two hours and they walk away feeling a sense of something within themselves liberated, a, yeah. a removal of, of those invisible chains. I fight the chains on the human body out in the world, but I wanna, one of my biggest goals in life is to be a voice that brings liberation to the internalized self so that that two-year-old you, whoever you are, can come out and go, I stop on the side of the road when I see a playground and I jump out and I run and go swing on that swing because, and the parents are all looking at me like, I'm swinging so high, you know, all the kids <laughs> want to copy me and they're like, could she get out of here? Like, <laughs> like my kids are going to break their face. It's a bad I'm influence, like, but you got, you got to swing inner sometimes. My yeah. inner two-year-old is having the time of her life yeah. and you that. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and it's, there are so many ways to tell stories. Now there are so many ways to be a vessel for a story and mm -hmm. obviously being an actress and, and, you know, being on screen is one way, but writing is another way. Podcasting is another way. I mean, that's I why I do see. this. Yeah. Is, is the connectivity. Like we talked about getting to tell my story, getting to allow other people to tell their stories. Um, so I, I think that's really cool that you're, you're allowing yourself to to really like flourish and discover and explore these new avenues. That's really cool. 
Yeah. So, so you talked about your childhood. You talked about how you grew up in a very, very strict household. You were only watching Little House on the Prairie. Um, I, I read that you weren't allowed to watch Harry Potter because it was about witches and magic and all of that. So I just find it so interesting that so you- crazy. I, right? And, and you grew up to be- very a witch a I, I was gonna say like kind of witchy yeah like, i'm did, so witchy <laughs> how, did that happen? how did that happen and how if you weren't even able to like watch tv or anything how did you even know that this this world beyond your trailer park existed you know well first of all what is suppressed will be expressed so y'all parents out there who think you're telling your kids not to do something and that that ever works. First yeah. of all, remember your own childhood. Second of all, refer to number one. <laughs> third, <laughs> third, if you want your kids to not do something, let them because they'll get over it very fast. But so you true. tell them they can't do something and they are gonna discover everything about it and it's ins and outs and all the intricacies. So I am a wizardy, wizardry witch. I'm yes. not a muggle. I'm a <laughs> natural born witch. Um, <laughs> I mean, even even your, are, are, those are very chic PJs you've got on right now, but it's like I know. stars and little, planets yes. and it's all so like, you're so uh, otherworldly in the best possible yes. way. Um, thank you. The biggest compliment ever. I, <laughs> half the time I'm like, am I actually human? I'm probably an alien. Are um, we all, are any of us really human? Are we, are yeah. any of us really? Yeah. No, I, you know, I, it's interesting because I really had to go all the way to the other side of the cosmos <laughs> to find myself. And the, the, the awareness of the fact that I had this internalized experience from a very young age, I would see and envision and live out and feel the joy and excitement and experience of winning awards in my trailer park, uh, of <laughs> doing interviews like this, talking about how my amazing career right. um, in my trailer park. <laughs> dream big, dream big. Well, here's the thing. The brain doesn't know the difference, honey. The body doesn't know the difference. So what I did, and this is why when you asked me about the fuel um, of negativity, it was it the fuel of negativity or was it my capacity to embody dreams? Yeah. I think now that I'm living it out and still living it out and, and I'm not accepting of the negativity and the opposition anymore, and I'm still and doubling down on the belief in the, the, the manifesting of dreams comes from the embodiment of dreams and, and, and knowing before you know that they're going to happen. Yeah. I did that in my trailer park and nobody told me how to do that. Kids know how to dream. Yeah. We, we class, we school the dreams right out of children. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. It is the biggest atrocity. It should be criminal. The school system, the entire thing hasn't been updated in a hundred years. It is it is horrific what we do to creative minds, putting them into these weird little schoolroom boxes with these, like nothing serves their well-being and and the and and the future that we want to have for our planet when we when we stifle creativity and that is right. all a school system is made to do is just and it's it's like the worst gauge of true intelligence in my opinion like 
I, I, if you tried to have me do long division right now, I couldn't fucking do it. But like, I think I'm pretty damn smart. So where is that yeah. disconnect? You know, like well, I the don't... setup was what well, the setup wasn't to gauge intellect and intelligence. Right. It was to gauge waste management because it was the the schools. The schools were designed by the factory workers that were going to hire this. So so the 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 school systems contacted the factories and were like, "What are you looking for?" This was during the industrial age when public school became a thing. They designed it with a bell, the foreman at the front, the teacher at the front. Everything was to match the experience of factory life, assembly line, stay in line, don't think out. You know, we talk about AI and we're all afraid of, like, we create human robots. AI AI is another problem that's completely, I'm not concerned about at all compared to what we're doing to the human experience. No, I've had worse experiences with humans than I've ever had with, like, Alexa, so. (laughs) Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I found the best spas because um, Siri listens right. to Right, Siri so, is a, a real gem, like, Thank honestly. you for a new ad that tells me where to go for my next vacation. Yeah, not uh, that. I'm not mad at it at all. Um, but but I am mad at the system that, and I'm grateful that uh, due to my strict conservative upbringing, one of the choices that was made was that I would never go to school. I was homeschooled for, for K through 12. So that, and, and it doesn't work for everyone. I was very self-motivated and I'm a student for, I'm in a certificate program right now. I'm in certificate programs for, I've done like neuroscience okay. academy. I've done all of these Reiki, shamanic, traditional Reiki awesome. masters programs. You, you and Matt really are kindred spirits. Cause I'm all, he's like randomly printing out a certificate and being like, look what I got certified for. I'm like, when did you do that? <laughs> yes, I'm in this quantum healing hypnosis technique uh, oh, cool. certificate program right now. And I'm, I'm an, a forever student because I didn't have a school system making it such a pain in my ass to yeah. learn. Yeah. Like children naturally want to learn. They they but they want to learn what they're interested in. Your totally. kids don't need Ritalin. They don't they're not ADD. They're not interested. They don't have a focus problem. They have an interest problem. They're not interested in the shit that you're promoting and you because you haven't updated it in a century. Yeah. So so there's this, you know, real sense of a desire for me long-term, like long, long, long-term after thankfully going to the other end of the cosmos and finding my witchy self <laughs> um, to to create a world for dreamers. Yeah. And, and that world, that world says two-year-olds are invited. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> two-year-olds need, uh, only need apply. Right. Two-year-olds, <laughs> two-year-olds are like leading you. the class, honestly. Exactly. The two-year-olds are leading the class. And the two-year-old inside of you is invited here today. The yeah. part of you that doesn't criticize yourself. The part of you that says it's okay to draw outside the lines. The yeah. part of you that says it's okay to get your fingers in, in your, your muddy little hands all yeah. dirty and icky and yucky because you're playing with mother earth that that's the you know i i see a i see a future where i have a human i call it the human school and this is one of the this is one of the little annalyn dreams that i'm dreaming into existence right now yeah, and manifesting and I'm already doing the interviews of what an amazing yes, success my exactly, school is right? <laughs> Yeah, but I'm I I see a school where it's zero to to death. <laughs> if you're not dead, you're welcome. Yes. And and we do have the the process of school within itself. There's absolutely zero data to suggest that separating children by age or grade does anything, if not anything helpful and may be in fact be harmful. Uh, with our program that we have in Cambodia with my charity, 
all of the girls work together and and the the three-year-old is giving her a dress to the two-year-old to get dressed in and helping her eat her rice she's feeling a sense of dignity because she's able to help someone younger than her there's a sense of ownership and responsibility and integrity and dignity that is instilled when we are in a sangha in a grouping setting of of support where we're not like pitted against each other because we're all in the same lineup but we're a 12 year old will look at a nine-year-old and be like hey 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 don't pick on don't pick on that you know and that gives her a sense of 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 importance and and feeling like she's doing something to add value and the eight nine-year-old you know they're like oh oh no we're getting in trouble from not an adult but we're, we're getting called out by community by peer right. to to be our best selves and that's a much better much better dynamic but but in that the education would be emotional intelligence, what you learn as an actor, which is totally. how to step your feet into the shoes of another person. What does that look like? What does it feel like? Can you remove judgment? If you can't, you will not be a successful actor. <laughs> you have to be able to remove judgment. And, and, and if you can't do that, you won't be a successful human. Honestly, uh, you took the words out of my mouth. We aren't successful people when we're no. not to be able to offer that to our fellow man in this divisive world we're in right now. And it's so split in half it's because we can't hold two thoughts in our our minds. Oh my God, so true. The, I don't agree with who you voted for, but I can have lunch with you. I don't right. agree with what your what your politics are, but I can hear your side. No, right. no, die, right. death to you. Honestly. Like it's it's yeah. crazy. It's like expelliarmus, you know, like immediately. <laughs> right, and we've gotten into this weird narrative where like there are facts and then there are anti-facts and there's, you know, like- like it's, censorship. It's, because... Right, it's just all too, oh. too fuzzy. And like many, like, I, and this isn't to say that like, like I support fake news because that, that's not what I'm talking about, but two things can be true simultaneously. One yeah. person can have their own lived truth and I can have my own lived truth that's completely diametrically opposite. And that doesn't make the other person a liar, you know? Absolutely. Well, I like the, um, someone told me once and I've always said this, there's, there's three sides to the truth. Yours, mine, and the truth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because we have our biases. And if we own that we have a bias, we're in a position to listen to someone else. What happens is that when we determine our bias is truth, we we shut everybody else down. And I was I was listening to someone talk about I was it was Bill Maher. I was listening to Bill Maher, who I love, talk about um, he was on the Cuomo show, um, Chris Cuomo's new show on uh, News Nation. And he was talking to Chris and he was saying um, about abortion. He was like, Chris, you're missing the point. <laughs> one half or or the other half that's represented by this split two party system mm -hmm. that doesn't work right the one half is saying you're murdering children you your argument being that you're not being kind to women and allowing them to make choices for their own body is never going to change them thinking that murder is wrong right so so when you when the the truth is your truth your bias that that is your truth from your point of view that is i'm so sorry to let you know and to break this to you and be the messenger of bad news but it is distorted minus right. two um, <laughs> when you decide that your outlook is ultimate truth that's when we see what we have in the world right now yeah. and and i i appreciated what bill was saying because he he keeps highlighting he also with he also said um 
in an interview or in on real time that um, that we cannot we have these different parties and they're like if our messaging's a little better he's like they hate you right no yeah. one listens to someone that they hate yeah exactly it's, it's hate he's like we need more love and to hear bill Maher say this was wild because i was like yes bill keep smoking that weed baby right. <laughs> But, but he's like, we need more love in this world. We, everybody just resorts to hate now. And it's, and, and it's, it's unprecedented, the level of hatred. Yeah. So what, what for me, I think what I've found coming from this very dark space, swinging into light, but maybe swinging so far that I didn't really grasp where I was going. And then having to let that pendulum settle in yeah. and taking the time of integration, which we, none of us want to do because we are impatient souls. Totally. I'm, I wrote the book on impatience. If you ever <laughs> want to read it, <laughs> um, how yeah. to never be patient. Please send um, me a copy. <laughs> I'll send you a copy. Um, but I'm learning COVID taught me patience, being in, being in a space in silence and solitude with myself. And now I'm moving and leaving the big city and don't ever want to live in a big city again uh, for any long period of time because I, I learned in the cells of my body, I embody patience. Yeah. Nature is not in a hurry. Nature yeah. has never been in a hurry. And yet yeah. everything happens and everything gets done. Yeah. We cause ourselves hypertension, heart disease, heart attack cardiac issues, all of these cancers, all of these dis-ease to disease in the body, because we can't sit in nature, in our own cells. We are nature. Like if I die and you put me outside on the grass, I will decompose and become yes. earth again. I am earth. I couldn't sit in my own nature, in myself, because it was too chaotic on the inside of me. And now I can sit in the silence, I can sit in the solitude, and I don't need to run, I don't need to get on a plane, I don't need to work 120 hours a week, although I still love what I do, and a lot of times it's 120 hours a week. Um, <laughs> but I don't need that, and that's a very different defining element of my journey now from where I was when I started and in in that place of using negativity and opposition as fuel to using dreams and the love of the future of something that I see and want for myself as being my fuel now. Yeah. So this this journey is the Joseph Campbell hero's journey, hero with a thousand faces. You know, it's that Joseph, Joseph Campbell is such a God in Hollywood mm -hmm. for his formulaic expression of narrative of script and, and how to write the best, you know, 17 points of the hero's journey. Right. And, and if you look at your life at any point in your life on the scale with Joseph Campbell's formula, you can see where you are. Am I in act one? Am I in act two? Am I in act three? Am I rebirthing into a whole new act one, act two, act three? And, and I really feel like I finally, in in my mental health journey i'm in act three and i am embodying and integrating the ability to sit with myself to sit in the space of silence to sit in the space of patience and decide i want to be an actress i want to be a creator i want to be a storyteller i want to have a human school one day all of these things and know within myself that all i have to do is dream yeah Absolutely. I honestly really want a copy of your book on impatience because I've quite literally given myself like TMJ from, from stress. I, I, and it's something that I 
constantly I'm, I'm trying to take stock of and be like, why are you, what, why are you laying in bed at one in the morning, stressing about this stuff? Like go the fuck to sleep, you know? Um, and I think that's something a lot of people struggle with. And it's also a reason why we struggle so much to understand other people is because we have so much chaos in our own minds. And that is like you said, creating this worldview, um, everything, our, our entire life experiences are subjective. Everything we go through, even something that is a finite truth, how we interpret it is subjective. So nothing is a finite truth in that regard, you know? Right. And and until we can kind of silence, not the voices in our head, but the, the madness and, and uh, focus on understanding one another, it's just, oh, it's just such a mess, you know? Ugh. Such a mess. <laughs> Such a mess. Uh, but like I said before, being able to connect with people, being able to have these types of open conversations, it's why I love doing this podcast. And I think it's what's so beneficial about this medium and getting to talk to people. Now, you yourself had a podcast. Uh, you had a show called Unzipped that uh, you co-hosted with your 90210 co-star, Sinead Grimes. Um, and you guys actually recently ended the show in September. So I wanted to ask you if you could tell me a little bit about the show and what you guys covered on the show and why you decided to end it. Absolutely. So obviously the, the, the one year that we had together, which was so much fun to reunite uh, after 90210, having been feuding enemies to right. enemies <laughs> to friends, Love it. Um, was, oh, it was just such a dream. I had so much fun with Nay and we, we called the show Unzipped, everything with her conceptualized idea. And I was just kind of along for the ride, but Sometimes we, that's really nice, you know. You're oh, it's like, the only way I can do things, babe. I have no organization <laughs> skills. If that if that show wasn't handled completely and utterly by Shanae, it would never have happened. I was like, babe, just you know, like I, you, I was like, you know how we are handled as talent. I have to be handled yeah, as handle talent. Me. She's yeah. like, it's okay, girl. I got you. Sit here. <laughs> She's like such a CEO brain, and I am so not. <laughs> I am talent brain all day. Like, what time is it? Where's my phone? Where are my right. sunglasses? Where are my keys? What I do with my Life. but that's how the world goes round it's the yin and yang you know yes the yin and the yang right so she was um she was she's such a great other half to a partnership and i'm so grateful for our time we we parted ways because our lives are going in such different directions and it really was getting too difficult to manage and, and move like now with my move and i'm going to be splitting my time between east new york and um and savannah oh, and fun. savannah um, wow amazing i know so excited yeah. um but like developing projects uh a couple of projects right now and all these different things that irons in the fire i realized i wasn't able to show up even in the very limited capacity that i was showing up <laughs> and she was doing even more of the work so we we did have to actually call it call it quits for that purpose but we have a nice library yeah. of episodes uh 50 i think or so episodes there's like i think there's like 70 something oh, episodes there 70 of yeah. 70 episodes yeah. okay don't, amazing. don't sell yourself short um, girl <laughs> okay uh, you uh, you've done your research I see have. this is why i'm not good with details <laughs> um but so we as the title suggests we unzip with our audience and we we both are very candid speakers. We often would get in trouble and we did with, with the show because I would say things and, and Shanae's like, we're getting so much flack because you're talking about cancel culture. And I was like, I don't like cancel culture. I'd like to cancel cancel culture so they can keep 
talking and also they can stop listening i didn't invite them here so <laughs> she's true. like she's like you do need to actually like listen to what they're saying I'm like no i don't this is <laughs> our podcast i'm like there are one billion podcasts out there go listen to somebody else if you don't like what i'm saying shut up little trolls <laughs> and so but we would unzip at this level where it was like you know if you don't agree with it that's amazing. Sh join in the conversation. Yeah. Share with us. Tell us why you're so bothered by this. Mm -hmm. We want to hear from you. We're obviously going to share what we're bothered about. And yeah. so we, you would kind of hear from us catching up and like going in our, you know, kind of this like Annalyn, Shanae, Naomi, Annie energy. Yeah. That just act, was such a natural chemistry between us on the show. And then on the podcast, it, it became, you know, even more of a thing. So we had all of that, but we really, we talked about a lot of topics you know nay got pregnant um right around the time that the show was uh was kind of we were beginning with all of it and and so she had the you know the journey of the pregnancy and the baby and you like or she's nursing during episodes right. you know we're just talking about all these different life things and then i'm talking about my cat you know yeah. <laughs> um because who i have I, a cat who I've seen, you know she's here she has been wandering around i've seen she's been wandering yeah. around yeah <laughs> Um, and then we have some really amazing people come on and, and we just kind of dive into these topics that maybe aren't so comfortable to discuss. And we ask you to unzip with us at the level of your comfort. And if you're not comfortable, then I will try to bully you into being more comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I would think like, why would someone go on the show if they weren't ready to unzip yeah. and let it all out? You know, we had a couple episodes and we were like, Oh no, this episode is gonna happen because Shanae's like I mean I it's funny, Shanae Shanae's a Scorpio. She's about to have her birthday on the 23rd. Um she <laughs> you can see um oh is I always hear is it the 24th? I think it's the 24th. Um <laughs> you can edit that. Either, either way. <laughs> Either I'll make way. sure to send her um, a gift either way. Yeah, she's a Scorpio and she, you know, her feelings are out there for you to hear and see mm -hmm. because she'll, when she doesn't like something, her face is like, you can read. So I'm like trying to be like really engaged. Right. So like, don't look at her on the screen. She doesn't <laughs> like what you're saying. You know, she's like, but, but whenever someone was not unzipping with us and being that kind of like, I am here to do an interview and answer, you know, like right. say, it's so not podcast energy. Yeah. And Shanae just didn't, I, I didn't enjoy it, but Shanae, like her face is just is all, is all over her face. Like this person sucks. This is a waste of my hour. I could be with my kids, like, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I mean, it is, it, it's a lot of work to do these interviews. And, and when you're excited and passionate about your project and the entire, you know, theme of the project is like really getting down and dirty and someone's not willing to go there. I, I understand. I yeah. What, what are we doing? What are we doing here? What's going yeah. on? Um, but yeah, so, but we really, I mean, I would say we had, uh, two, three, a handful at, yeah. at the most that were, were not really fully engaged. Everybody yeah. else was just like sharing the most, some of the most beautiful conversations I've had in my life or on that podcast with Nay and and the guests that we've had, so so it was a, it was so much fun and and I give you so much credit and I give podcasters so much credit. I was like, oh, everybody's got a podcast, like whatever. It is so much work. It's hard, right? guys. I know what Shanae went through and just trying to wrangle me was annoying, but like, <laughs> but getting every 
everything and in the editing process and the, you know all the things so hats off to you hats off to everyone who is is out there doing that right now because oh. it's it's a real thing and you're contributing you're giving your light and you're sharing your energy and it's such a beautiful thing so i just have a lot of gratitude to to people who are putting out their own content like yeah, this absolutely well thank you and i i totally agree all of the other podcasters creators keep doing what you're doing and yeah. speaking speaking of giving the light uh on unzipped you regularly spoke to uh celebrity psychic chris medina who's actually a friend of mine and he's been okay. on my podcast i've had yes. a reading from him before he's amazing um yeah have, have you found him to just be like, like scary accurate about things in your life? Well, it was so funny. So Shanae ended up doing like when I was, um, when I was away filming, uh, Shanae ended up doing like a whole, like several like blocked session with him. So with mm -hmm. several episodes, I only was in one of them and it was wild, but he, I was with Shanae and it was like her energy was pulling him. So he was talking to me for a minute and then it was like, and everything he said, to her it was just i mean about josh he had run into josh in the hallway her husband mm -hmm. and he was like dead on about josh he was Shanae's just like tripping out and i loved it because i you know she sees me as woo woo and out there and then she's all like having this psychic experience with chris right. so it was amazing to witness and like i obviously you know we as chris says we all have these gifts we all have this ability to tap into that intuitive self but we have so many blockages because of this world that we're in and the yeah. lack of being a two-year-old and being free yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, um so yeah it was it was wild to to see him you know just like pull out things and she was like talking about things that she's never revealed before and and he it, it really was transformative for her and so that was super fun to witness yeah yeah i know when when he read me i mean he read me and every everything was was so spot on um i really want to so he gave me a psychic reading i really want to have him connect with with the beyond i really want to have like a medium reading yeah. with him yeah like I, wanna, I just want to chat with my grandma you know <laughs> but um so you've actually been quoted saying once that it takes a lot to scare you uh have you ever had any sort of paranormal experiences yes i actually have a video of it no way so what happened Okay, so I was with my little brother and we were using Snapchat filters and we were just laughing and the filter, like the one that spreads your face so wide and goes, mm -hmm. ah! <laughs> he was just loving this. He's my little brother is like my half brother. He's like, he's eight now, but he was like three Aww. or four at the time. And so he was just loving the back in the day, the Snapchat filters and there was one video that we did and I was, I'm always, you know, I'm an actor, so I'm always overly dramatic and he just loves all the energy. And we kept watching this one video because he did something so funny in it and we were all cracking up. And so I couldn't stop replaying it. Like you, the way you go on, you know, like yeah. an Instagram story or your TikTok or something. And you're like, you gotta watch it. It gets funnier the more you watch it. Totally. And it was getting funnier the more I watched it. And then at one point my focus was pulled from the front of the screen where the we were to the back. And I saw this energy walk across the back of the thing. And I went, whoa, what was that? <laughs> I started oh. tripping out. I watched it, then I watched it like 9,000 right. times. Yeah. I sent it to Tyler Henry, so oh, cool. to his people, because I had done an episode of Tyler Henry. And talk about being read, that oh, man, yeah. oh, 
my love. Yes, that yes. man is a very special being on our planet. But um, his producers took the video. They then sent it to Ghost Hunters International. They all like broke down the video. They were, they came back and they were like, this is 100% not a shadow, not a like a, you know, an image, a distortion. Like a light this orb is, or something. Yeah, they were like, this would pass all of our tests as being something paranormal. Wow. I didn't need them to tell me that because right, at 5 know. a.m. the next morning, I was in my room, which was Johnny's playroom, my little brother's playroom. And at five o'clock in the morning, one of his toys starts lighting up all over the room, the blue lightsaber. Oh, honey. Oh, honey. Oh, honey. <laughs> okay, so this is my response to life, right? And I'm like, I just pull the blanket up over my face and say, pretend like it's not happening, it'll go away. Pretend like it's not happening, it'll go away. Well, that wasn't true. Yeah. Um, it did not go away. So then I'm such a pendulum swing, actually, like zero to a thousand. And I'm like, I take the blanket off and I'm like, it's only love and light here. We are only vibrations of love and light. I'm offering you love and light. <laughs> Would you like to go to the light? <laughs> like I'm like all the things that I've heard that you're supposed to do, you yeah. know, paranormal, anything. Oh my and gosh. This, I, when I say that this lightsaber talked to me for an hour and a half, it lit up in response to me speaking for an hour and a half. Wow. So you guys had like a really great conversation. It was we like better than this podcast. I love her. She's like an eight <laughs> or nine year old little girl. Um, I, wow. I literally, I, at one point I was so entranced. Like I, I looked down, I opened my eyes and looked down and I was like a mother, like rubbing the back of a little girl that wasn't in my arms. Whoa. And okay, this, this was a trippy experience. Tyler and I, this was Tyler had read me years before. He said, who's the little girl that died? And I said, there's no little girl that died. I don't know what you're talking about. He said, who's the little girl that died? There was a little girl that died. And I was like, I've racked my brain for years. And of all the people for me to then send the video to. Right. Without right. putting any correlation together. I'm, I I'm, sent it. Do you have chills? I literally, <laughs> all of my hair is standing up like, full body chills. I sent it to the person who first recognized that she was attached in my field. This was an eight or nine year old little girl, year old little girl. Like this energy was showed up, uh, you know, and, and he, he was able to pick up on it because of the, like, whatever the paranormal connection, you know, there's so yeah. many things we don't fully understand. Totally. But then I experienced this little, this like lightsaber going off and I tested that lightsaber. Like, does it automatically, I mean, I, it went off in its own staccato. Like at one point I said something, cause I'm very, <laughs> I got to laugh at morbid situations. And it was almost like it laughed. Like it went dip, 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 with the blue light going on. And so there was such, I mean, it went off probably 150 times in an hour and a half period. And then, of course, I at this stage, I haven't done anything in the spiritual realm, so I don't know. I'm just terrified, more or less, yeah. but I was going with it. And it was a little girl and she needed love. And that was the energy I was feeling. And it just felt that she had been like in a cold, dark hole somewhere for all this time. And it, that was the energy that was I was experiencing. And I was just giving her love. And then um, when it finally ended, the the. Um, 
I spent the rest of the day, I like, I didn't sleep, obviously. I was like, right. I went, how do you, like, I mean, just like roll over and go back to bed? Yeah, not really to sleep on that one. And I actually kind of stayed away from the room for the whole day. I was with my little brother. And then finally, towards the end of the day, he wanted to go in his playroom. And I was like, you go first. Yeah. <laughs> to my little four-year-old. Right, you test brother. the waters. I'm like, you take the child, you know. Like, you know? <laughs> oh so, but he walks in the room and the lightsaber lights up. And he goes, what's going on over here? And he goes and picks up the lightsaber and then it never lit up again involuntarily. But I, yeah. So that's when you wild. ask me if I have a paranormal experience and you have then a doozy. some. Yeah, and that's, some. that's wild. So were you a ever able to to kind of figure out who this little girl might have been? Or oh, I have she... a team on it. We're going to okay. figure it out. Okay. Wow. <laughs> and and uh, then gonna... like, so, so if, if, Tyler was able to sense this little girl years prior. Was she just like hanging out with you for years and years and years, like going with you everywhere you went and you didn't know? Well, that's the question, right? So I, I've actually reached out to, and he's so busy, I know, but I'm like, Tyler, yeah. help me again. The lightsaber. I'm like, I really want to have a like, kind of put back the dots of like, yeah. you told me about this. I, I literally, he was like, I'm sorry. Like, I can't like this, she's here. Like this energy is here. Yeah. And so clearly it was an energy that was connected to me in some way. And there's, you know, now working with energy and being a, a double Reiki masters, like I understand the quantum entanglement. What like you and I are now quantumly entangled, right? Yes. Like our that energy, was, we have an that was the connection. goal. That's why I wanted to do this. I wanted that to was the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and now I'm very protective of of my energy, and I recommend people to. I talked to with Chris about this actually, Chris Medina, um, about putting yourself in a bubble of light, and and I put myself now in a pyramid of light, and I just imagine that light around me because we lock our doors at night, but we don't lock our doors. <laughs> our energy doors and yeah. people are connected to us whenever we've been with uh partners and we have soul ties those are really big cord energy cords they can have a bad day and you can feel like you're suddenly getting a bad day and you don't even know where it's coming from oh, and it God. might be some dude you dated five years ago ten right? years ago yeah and you're like i, I thought i threw you out of here <laughs> out of here you we think because they're physically gone that's they're, they're, that's gone and the truth is that we have to then really make a point to say i energetically release you i send you with love and light ideally maybe you don't feel that way initially but try to be in that space it works better um, but i i really am um i i only allow energy in my field that is from the highest vibrations of love and light for my highest good and the highest good of all beings. And th those are kind of the words that I specifically say because words have vibration and words have power. So I use that, I speak that across over my energetic field. And and then that, it, that locks my doors and protects my space energetically. And, and, and now I see like I, with my Reiki and everything, like I see, I can, I can do eye gazing with people and stuff comes and they're like, well, how did you know that? I'm like, I don't know what I'm saying, boo. Like, but I'm connecting into their energetic field and their higher self is communicating, they're sharing because we have these layers of ourselves, right? We have the energetic body, we have the higher self, we have the physical body, we have the theory, it calls a subtle astral. There's all kinds of energy bodies, um, which you start to learn about once you work with energy. And they're measurable because you you can use actually BioWell has devices that measure the electromagnetic field, the energetic field of the auric field of the human the human being. The then and it is a human and a being. The, the body is the human. The being is the energy that powers it. In my opinion, um, 
and and that what I know from that now, and I and I'm not scared anymore. I one of my partners, um, former partners, who's so beautiful and wonderful and a big part of my life for always. Uh, his father died uh, when he was in his 30s, and he's an atheist, mind you. And I, uh, the Reiki had opened stuff up in my energetic pathways, and I felt his father's presence come in. And ironically, going back to Tyler Henry, Tyler this I was with this man at the time his part like his father came in to my reading with Tyler Henry so this is like little themes going here but um my my former partner's father shows up and he's standing there he's like tell my son I'm here I'm like your son is an atheist I'm not telling him (laughs) here go away I'm like you know talking with like in my mind to him right like he's just gonna laugh at me if I tell him yeah I'm like if you knew anything about your son you would know he doesn't believe in this (laughs) and and he's like tell my son I'm here and I'm like oh my god you're so demanding okay well how okay you better give me something because i can't tell your atheist son that you are here in the kitchen with us unless you give me something and then all of a sudden across my mind as loud as we're talking right now as i'm talking right now (laughs) uh, white teddy bear white teddy bear white teddy bear white teddy bear and i was like (laughs) dong did your dad ever give you a white teddy bear? <laughs> he goes, yeah, it was like one of the last things he ever gave me when I was a kid. And his, his dad left when he was seven and due to divorce and all the things. And I was like, well, he's here in the corner and he'd like to talk to you. <laughs> wow. And then he goes, I know I feel him. He comes to me a lot. And I was like, wow. you told me you were an atheist. You laugh at my crystals. What in the hell? But it's, it's because it's, everything is like so ridiculous until it happens to you, until, until you it feel it yourself. You. Yeah. Yes. And you know, the energy of, of your father, of course. Right. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. so, so he had this experience, of course he had had some wine. So the next morning he was like, I was drunk. I don't know what you're talking about. My, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't say that. And I'm like, yes, you did. But, but yeah, so now I'm in a very different space. I don't, I don't hide under the covers and I don't scream love and light. I just kind of hold space for the energies that come through and and they're much more here than we realize i think that's the other thing yeah no 100 percent, absolutely um okay so now i want to take like a total pendulum swing uh, (laughs) as we've talked about uh this is going to sound so random but if i didn't ask my listeners would be so mad at me (laughs) (laughs) do you watch any of the real housewives shows I do not. Okay, that's that's. <laughs> but fine. my little sister watches every one of them, so she okay. has Bethany Frankel um, coming to do her event in this. Uh, she she works with the biggest fashion expo in the world, Magic, and she just told me yesterday that she locked Bethany Frankel to come uh, to come do the show in I think it's February in in out in Vegas. So oh, so awesome. she would be the she. I'll have to call yeah, call in a yeah. lifeline, like call in a friend. Like Please, I right? call right quick. I need to know about the housewives. Well, I know that you actually worked with Denise Richards, who was a real I housewife. I did. Yes. Well. So what was yeah. Denise like? Is she just the best? She seems like it. Well, I worked with her on 90210. And yeah, then, and I then you guys be- actually, yeah, I, I just read you guys have a project in the works now, currently. Yeah, we, we've wrapped it. Um, it's a 10 part series um, that she was in. We didn't really get to work one on one on that show, but um, but working with her on 90 was so much fun. You know, you never know in Hollywood what you're going to experience. You yeah. People are pitted against each other in the press, but it's never 
you know, until you meet someone firsthand, you really have to just keep as much of the ears close to gossip as possible, if possible. Yeah. She was absolutely wonderful and lovely and sexy and just delicious and yeah. and so much fun. And I I really enjoyed hanging out with her as well as working with her. She was she was just yeah, I mean, I not a not a thing other than just delight to describe our time together. And and I think that she's you know, she's just did uh, a friend's serious show and she's she's hilarious she's so funny yeah. um but i yeah i i can't say anything but just l obsessed i yeah. love her yeah matt actually said um because i told him i was going to ask you that question and he was like anna lynn would make a really good housewife so just throwing that out there i i think oh well think do you, you got any cedars for me darling <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll see what i can do um okay so i i have to ask this next question as well all right, so we need to talk about your your poem to Vladimir Putin. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to know what was the intention there and what was kind of your mindset when you were putting it out then versus what your mindset was when you kind of saw the reaction after you put it out? Well, my mindset didn't change, but that's just me. I don't do things unintentionally. I very intentionally wrote what I wrote and said what I said and 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 it's language that I use with the work that I do for inner children. So, yeah. so I do a lot of inner child workshops, inner child everything. And we are all the mother, we are all the father, we, we are all a part of this oneness in the language that I use and in the world that I experience things in. In a world where a, a person is threatening nuclear war, we like to say bad man evil man horrible man i don't see that and and i do, my opinion is not appreciated and i appreciate that because we have differences in opinion and that's beautiful it's diversity it colors our yeah. world i see a boy inside of a man who was not loved who was not given light and and love and yummy vibes in the beginning of his life and i don't blame his mother or nor do i not blame his mother it's a moot point my point is the child specifically the child inside his mom that was the two-year-old her and the two-year-old putin and the two-year-old you and the two they all matter just as much to me and that's where people got mad because they think that you have if you aren't angry at the people that we're angry at then you're against us and fuck you and and to the two-year-olds inside of them i'm so sorry that you got hurt and you're not free anymore that this language is the language that i use because this is the only language i see as a, a potential for changing the world we have to reach the children if i could reach putin if i could reach into that man's heart and find the little two-year-old boy Putin and bring him home with me and love him, and he could not cause a war on a peaceful country, wouldn't the world be kind of happy about that? Like, wouldn't we all? It's not about me specifically, and that's where everyone were like, you're a narcissist, you think you're the one? No, I think that the kind of love that I've tapped into is the only love there is. And when you realize that that's what you're made of, 
you are his mother, you are his father, I am his mother, I am his father, I have an opportunity to give energy to a person that is considered evil and dark and horrific and doing horrific things and not negating his behavior, but taking a bigger perspective on this from an artist, everybody. It's art. It wasn't meant to be a solution used in Congress. Like <laughs> I wasn't offering that option. Right, like your poem wasn't a bill that was heading to the house. I was like, like Congress, will you pass a bill for me to be Putin's mom? What? Like, no, that wasn't what we were aiming at. But thank you for taking me so literally, everybody. Right, that's what, um, that's what people tend at- to do, yeah. But look at how we respond, right? How we respond is a reflection of us. I was so grateful that hate pushed my message of love around the world. Yeah. And that's what it did. They hated what I said so badly because the inside of us that didn't get loved and and has to say, we have good parents, we do, we really do. But maybe they weren't loved the way they needed to be loved. Yeah. They hate the idea that I would love someone who doesn't deserve to be loved because he's an evil dictator. I, I'm, not, I'm not standing at judgment day saying to Putin, measure and weigh your actions in this world. I don't have that right. Right. Because unlike maybe the next person, I'm not going to measure my own actions against Putin's and say I'm worse or better. I'm just going to say, I've fucked up in my life. We look at someone taking the lives of innocent people and we're enraged, we're outraged, we're heartbroken. All of the responses received were received. I get it. I get your, I get that everybody thinks that I'm a narcissist because they assume that I had a crystal ball and I knew that a video that I posted to 400,000 people was going to go to 400 million people. I didn't know that. And if I had known that, I would have done it before. Like, (laughs) like, if I was like a technical narcissist, I would have tried that shit way before. Right. Yeah. You would have actually tried to stop it from happening. Yeah. You you didn't, you don't know viral things are going to go viral until they're already viral. Um, Which is something I had to say to a news anchor in, in DC. I was like, yeah. She's like, well, you know, I mean, when you post a viral video and I was like, yeah, well, typically the video becomes viral post the posting right Um, yeah just in case you weren't aware of that my lady yeah (laughs) um no but i have a healthy sense of humor with all of it because because i understand the layer look i had to get to this level i had to get to this level where i could look at someone destroying our planet and people's lives and doing horrific awful disgusting nasty things and see that there's still a soul in every being I had to get to that place because I went through hell. And I ask anyone who who doesn't, you know, agree with that, but can maybe hold two thoughts in their mind. Is it okay for me to be on my journey? <laughs> I have, am I allowed to be a human on this planet too? Or, or am I going to once again be silenced like I was for so many years on my abuses and my traumas and what put me into the personal hell that led me to my, my earthly heaven of living in a space where I don't judge uh, the darkest, most horrific things on this earth. I judge the action. I don't judge the person. The actions are atrocious. The person is something different to me and that will maintain itself. I don't care who likes it and who doesn't. I honor their differences and I honor my opinion because I live with it. <laughs> wow, mic drop. Honestly, I'm I'm so glad that you were able to 
not necessarily clear that up, but just speak on it more because I think it definitely gives a lot of clarity um, and insight to where you were coming from. And I, I also think that how you handled, you know, what you were receiving back and even just how you're talking about it now, it's, it's very, um, it's, it seems like it's very healthy. It's very enlightened. So clearly, like you said, you've done the work and that's why you're able to show other people so much grace. And I don't know, I think that's really, really cool. Very impressive. Yeah, and that's the, the, the you have to be able to look at your darkness. You have to be able to look at your shadow self. I've done things I'm not proud of. I've been someone that that I don't ever wanna be again because of my unawareness, because of my ego, because of my pain, because of my trauma, because of my abuses but those don't excuse my behavior and and putin's behavior is not and will never be excused these are mutually exclusive things we're discussing yeah the human aspect of of being a person on this planet and having the right to say share my poem which i yeah. do and yeah. and all the millions of hateful responses also, they have the right to be hateful about it. They have the right to not like it. That's that's their right. I'm so grateful that they spoke up, that they're speaking up when they feel that they need to. Fantastic. That's what being a part of the human family is about. So for me, it it, it, it boils down to much more spiritual terms and it's a different dimension. <laughs> it's yeah. quite literally the fifth dimension. Like it's, <laughs> I'm not on earth. So if I wrote a poem that doesn't sound like I'm on earth, it's because I'm not my love. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and, and we can all just take that for what it is. And, and like you said, you're an artist and art is subjective. So like, like, like I said before, like all things in this life, everything is subjective and how people receive things isn't really up to you. So you you put out what you wanted to put out and and that's kind of that. And that's it. And <laughs> and the truth is I also think it's really hysterical that Putin might have actually because of all of this craziness actually heard about a poem where a random person wanted to be his mom. <laughs> I I really hope he read it. Like I really I hope do. he did too because part of my part of my point was you're going to go take the lives of other little boys' moms. He was put into, he was, his, his mom gave him up and he was put into foster care. He was just put, given to a sanctioned mother. And I, I, my point was your, your bombs, your artillery are gonna take moms away from little boys. And then who do they become? And how, how, how long do we keep doing this? where little boys lose their moms and then they grow up with hate in their heart yeah. and want to kill everybody and kill the world. Like, when does it stop? Yeah. Mr. Putin, when does it stop? That, yeah. that was my question. And then it was on Twitter, so the, the time cut out. Right, right. <laughs> we didn't get to the end of the poem and I was like, oh shit. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a happy uh, accident, uh, a series of happy accidents. But, yeah. but ultimately, it, I, I, if I was anyone's mother, <laughs> is, is the kind of the energy behind it. Like, I, I want to be in the space with that two-year-old where I see that little, that little one as a teacher. And I want to honor that space. Yeah. And how many people who have caused harm in our world, in as we measure varying degrees, didn't necessarily 
get to be seen as a two-year-old who's honored and seen for their sovereign being yeah. and and that's something that people will argue me on as well and i'm like tell me tell me your side i want to hear it let's yeah. get to a solution which is all i care about absolutely Go to the root of the problem and solve it stop yeah. talking about it stop swinging the pendulum and stop getting mad without giving me resolution i want a solution to the problem i look at the beginnings to determine the ends the origin point is where we solve the problem, no other place. So, so they're all entering this kind of response to Putin now, whereas I don't want to create more Putins. That was right. my poem's point. Yeah. I do not want more Putins in the world. Yeah. How about that? How about we, how about we look at how, he, how we got here? And I rest assured in a loving household, growing up with love and validation, we don't create dictators. That's rest assured. And anyone who disagrees with that, I really want to hear their basis, their data, and their theories. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I can say firmly on the record, I wish you were Putin's mom. I, I think, <laughs> I think it, we'd be in a much better situation. So just putting that out there. Um, My <laughs> sister was like, oh, God, the poem that made me Putin's aunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I fucking love that. Oh, all right. So as we wrap up, I, I want to give you the opportunity to um, speak a little bit more on your activism and your organization and maybe tell my listeners how they can get involved and help if they want. Absolutely. So my organization is an anti-trafficking organization based in Cambodia. And a, a good portion of the funds that we raise go to that Cambodian organization specifically, because that's my passion project, but I actually am the founder of a campaign against human trafficking and, and it's called the love storm and the funds that we raise with the love storm go to the organization, as well as to building out a network of support between organizations. So we have a little, I like to call all the charities and organizations working to fight human trafficking as little waves on the ocean. And I want a tsunami, yeah. I want a storm, right? So we, we have this campaign that's a global tour. So we're starting up live events now. We had our first two and then COVID shut us down oh. uh, in 2020. So then we've had virtual events since then. We're having our first um, team, love storm event kind of to regenerate everything on 11 11 um cool. in here in la and then 2023 we'll see us kind of like moving and in, back into that space to to build out that network but it's really the individual experience that we're focused on with this slavery has been in our world for thousands of years no one's ever ended it we're doing something that's a slightly different approach but it's the idea is ending slavery from the inside out inviting the individual in to realize how 7.8 billion of us experience a form of slavery and that's invisible chains on the brain i'm not good enough i'm not smart enough i'm not worthy enough any of us at any point in our lives may experience those chains how do we break the chains within ourselves lao tzu from the Tao Te Ching says it best with peace if you want peace in the world you have to have peace in the nations you have to have peace in the cities you have to have peace in the neighborhoods if you want peace in the neighborhoods you have to have peace in the homes and if you want peace in the homes you have to have peace in your heart the same is true for freedom we have to start with ourselves and we have to we have to not skip those initial steps so we invite you to the love storm we have some fun inner child things that we do with everybody we hope that you set yourself free from a chain or many chains at the event and if you go home and that's all you ever do 
amazing. But if you also go into your neighborhood or community, or if you join us with our, our campaign and you get involved fighting human trafficking and modern day slavery, amazing too. All of it is amazing. You're contributing your energy to the, the fight to end this issue. So the lovestorm.com, you can get involved. You can join the movement if you want to see a love storm come to If you want a storm coming to your town that's full of love, you can sign up to be a creator or a committee member or just someone who wants to join in and let us know your the level of involvement you'd like to uh, offer. And if you want to learn more, you can go to my Instagram at the Annalyn McCord or at the love storm uh, on social and you can see kind of what we're up to and what we're about. Awesome. Thank you so much, Annalyn. This was such a fun conversation. I'm so grateful that you sat down to talk with me today. And hopefully we can, you know, do this again soon sometime. Oh, we better. Yay. All right. Well, thanks again. And I will talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye.